I'm Rob Schneider, co-host for This Was a Thing. If you've ever thought about doing something to learn more about the history of male pattern baldness and how it was drastically changed by the staple of 90s television, The Hair Club for Men, then today's podcast is for you. So, for no charge, no strings, keep listening to today's episode of This Was a Thing. And remember, I'm not just the co-host of This Was a Thing, I'm also a listener. Hi, I'm Ray. And I'm Rob. And you're listening to This Was a Thing, the podcast that dives deep into the cultural happenings of yesteryear. On this week's episode, we are taking a deep dive into the hair club for men. Ooh. I'm not just the president, I'm also a client. Yes, Mr. Cy Sperling, who gave us that great tagline. Now, folks, this was a thing because for the longest time, men were desperate to cover up the fact they had a bald head. As a bald man, I'm ashamed. While some today still attempt it, people like Telly Savalas, Bruce Willis, Samuel L. Jackson, Stanley Tucci, and Damon Waynes have told men that bald can be beautiful, which is why Ray says I'm beautiful every day. Beautiful. But considering that baldness is rooted in shame, get it? Rooted in shame. <laughs> it's still a pretty big stigma to overcome. Luckily, there was someone like Cy Sperling, the president of the Hair Club for Men, to not only guide men through getting their hair back, well, not their hair back per se through innovation but also through pride and confidence when he would look directly into the camera and would exclaim well take it away Cy and by the way I'm not only the hair club president but I'm also a client those beautiful dulcet tones <laughs> of Cy Sperling now this is a personal one for me because for seven years I was not just a podcast host looking for a retro topic I was also a client Yes, I was a client of the hair club for men. Let's look at why baldness has been such a maligned cosmetic feature and how Psy became one of the first memes before there was even such a thing. Now, Ray, you have luscious locks. Have you ever, Thank you. You, you've never had the worry of going thin on your hair? I'm starting to, I mean, for being honest, I'm starting to feel like I'm getting thin in the front. Do you care? I mean, I don't know if I want to put like the Rogaine in my hair because that's like too oily. Not even Rogaine with Minoxidil? Rogaine with Minoxidil? Tell me more. More. Great, we will. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the origins of baldness. Baldness has been around since the beginning of time, and if you were living in places like ancient Egypt, then it was customary for men and women to shave their heads and then just put a wig on top of that, much like a hat, to shield the bright sun. Now, these wigs were made of animal and human hair, depending on your status, and was kept on your head with things like beeswax and animal fat. So that way it didn't slide around too much, and just about every ancient civilization had wigs as a fashion accessory. 
Look at you, drag race. <laughs> when the Western Roman Empire fell, many things changed, including fashion and wigs. They were not welcomed. Wigs were not welcomed. They were theologians. Get out of here, wigs. Get out of here, wigs. Nobody wanted you anyway. No one wants you, wigs. So a theologian was like, hey, listen, you can't wear wigs anymore. They're the devil's work. So for the longest time, wigs fell out of fashion. But there was something that brought wigs back, and that was in the 1500s. Do you know what that was? Uh French? Syphilis. Syphilis. <laughs> Syphilis was making its way through Europe, much like it does your body, right? Hey, During the 1500s. Got and, a European body. And of course, there was no medicine at the time, so you had to suffer the effects of syphilis, which at that time included hair loss and incredibly unsightly open sores on your head. Therefore, how could I hide this scarlet A? Bring on the wigs. So eventually in the 1500s, people started wearing wigs again to cover up the syphilis sores on their head. And then soon people realized, oh, wigs are much easier, especially in that time when head lice was around. So let me see if I get this right. I can shave my head, wear this wig, stay cool, and not worry about shame or lice. Bring it on. <laughs> now, much like a bad toupee today, you can sense when someone is wearing a wig. So you needed someone really important to validate its use. Luckily, the royal court was into this, and they were like, we'll validate it. So in 1624, King Louis XIII of France decided to wear a wig to help cover up his male pattern baldness. Then his son, Louis XIV, kept wearing it after his dad died. Not dad's wig, but just a wig. And then others liked the fashion and validated it as well. So we should probably take a moment and say these wigs were not meant to look like natural hair. They were called periwigs, and they were usually like shoulder length or longer. Sometimes it was colored, and then in the 1700s, it's going to be powdered. Now, we probably know for men, the wig eventually just moved on, and, and a fan your name was needed for the wig so that way it didn't feel like you know so basic so they came up with the word toupee which uh, in french means a tuft of hair by the 1800s a shift occurred with age and mortality and suddenly there was an emphasis being placed on youth and looking young so toupees were the rage for bald men because it was all about youth in the 1800s. But there were a couple of issues. One, the toupee could easily fall off at any time. The toupee seemed so different from your natural hair, it was so clear that you were wearing one. And only if you had like tons and tons of money could you get a real good one. And so like if you look at old Hollywood stars like Humphrey Bogart or Gene Kelly or Jimmy Stewart, they wear toupees. Those are good toupees. But honestly, you could have a lot of money and still get a bad one, William Shatner and Burt Reynolds. By the 1950s, it was estimated that over 350,000 U.S. men wore hair pieces out of a potential 15 million wearers. In 1954, though, toupees are going to get a little bit more prominent because advancements are going to be made, not only in marketing. The idea before was that they would not market they wouldn't advertise so like you had to like sneak into a salon or hear of a salon word of mouth because it was such a shameful thing but eventually magazines like time and newsweek and life just started advertising toupees for men the way they did that was you would get a tape measure they would send you a tape measure you would measure your crown the crown of your head yourself mm -hmm write down those measurements and send that in and then they would send you back one based on the measurements you took also advancements were being made in the creation of the toupee itself by the wonderful makeup artist max factor oh and the marketing of his son max factor jr oh which i realized doing my research that max factor's son was named like frank 
And then he was like, I'm going to name myself Max Factor Jr. to keep the brand going. Oh, yeah. Now, his toupees were prime. These were like really nice toupees because he had each strand of hair was sewed to a piece of fine flesh-colored lace. Holy smokes. So this is like bougie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he also said, I can give you different styles. I can give you a long one. I can give you a short one. So because of the advertising and because of Max Factor, by 1959, only like five years later, U.S. sales were estimated to be $15 million a year. Oh, wow. Sears Roebuck had sold toupees in their catalog in the 1900s under the the discrete section. They tried to tap into the market by sending out 30,000 special catalogs to a targeted list of bald men. And when it arrived at your house, it arrived in a discreet white envelope so nobody knew what you were buying and this is how much they would pay for it ready $109.95 to $224.95 that was the price range of a toupee 20% down the rest in six installments today that's the equivalent of about $2,200 okay okay now with proper care of your wig which means alternating with a second wig and you had to send it back to Sears every Party month. Wig. You had to send it back to Sears every month or two for a dry cleaning. The toupee should last for about two years or so. And wig makers, through advertising, made it possible for men to feel as if they weren't fully dressed until they had hair. However, despite all this, men who wore toupees were still used as punchlines in countless movies and television shows. Like, how many times did you see in a thing like a toupee falling off into the punch bowl? Oh, yeah. Or like the Three Stooges thinking a guy's toupee was a spider and smashing it. Toupees were a source of embarrassment. One of the most iconic embarrassments about toupees is the classic Dick Van Dyke episode where Laura Petrie lets it slip accidentally on television that famous star Alan Brady, played by Carl Reiner, wears a toupee, which is a source of humiliation. So in this scene, she's come to apologize to him, and he has all of the toupees lined up in front of him. It was an accident. An accident? So was Custer's last stand. You want a scalp to hang on your belt? (laughs) (laughs) This is a cute one. I had this one made so people would say, Alan is losing his hair. Would you like that one? Or would you like a crew cut one I had made for the summer? Oh, this one, Mike. Alan, you need a haircut. Huh? Would you like these? What, 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 do you su- what do you suggest I do with all of these now, huh? Well, there must be some needy bald people. If you were on film and TV and were bald, you played the office stuff shirt, the one that nobody wanted, the ugly one, and the one that was less than virile. The idea was that if you didn't have hair, then you weren't quote-unquote masculine. And with the sexual revolution happening where hair was the primary force of expression, sing it, Ray. Give me your head with hair, long, beautiful hair, shiny, shaven, semen, back with a can. Yeah, very good. If you didn't have any, what would you look like? So now this is where the comb-over really began to take over to say, I have hair and I can be hip. Would someone please come along <laughs> and just say, bald is beautiful. I would like to thank my two patron saints of baldness, Yul Brenner and Telly Savalas. Yul Brenner was an iconic actor who appeared in films like The Ten Commandments, Moses came down from the mountain, and was known <laughs> for being virile and sexy. And when he made a career playing the king in The King and I, for the role, Brenner shaved his head and women went, crazy but he was on broadway and it was just clearly for a role he didn't have it permanently but telly savalas was different because the 1970s television was king and savalas bald as can be would play the tough talking lollipop sucking detective kojak (laughs) 
here he is being interviewed by a reporter who's asking him if he's actually bald or if he shaves his head. Just listen to how cool Telly Savalas is. Can I ask you a rude question? Is it really bald or is it shaved? I got a lot of face to shave in the morning. I just keep going, okay? I don't stop at the beard, I go to the head as well. And why do the women here find it sexy, do you think? Baby, you're asking the wrong guy. You gotta ask the women. Everyone said, hey, Telly Savalas is sexy, Yul Brenner is sexy. And people were like, no, I don't think so. And I realized if you have to convince someone that something is sexy, it might not be sexy. <laughs> Men wanted hair. Hair that looked natural. Hair that looked real. Where could they go? By 1970, Time magazine estimated that in the United States, toupees were worn by more than 2.5 million men out of 17 to 20 million balding men. But there were still some issues with the toupee. Remember, at first, the toupee stayed on the head and bald men prayed to St. Agnes that it would stay on. St. Agnes, by the way, is the patron saint of wigs. Oh. So the church has one for everything. Then Max Factor sewed it into lace and he used double adhesive tape to keep it on the end of the head. And for a cheaper product, you could buy one that was like a swimmer's cap, you know, where you would just like stick it on over the head, right? But there's still a fear about falling off. No matter which way you're doing, the hair's gonna fall off. And can you get it wet? Like, what are, is there a better way of, of covering up baldness? Hence, the creation of plugs, which is what President Joe Biden has, if you look in the front of oh, his hairline. Yeah, that makes sense. This was in the 1970s, folks. So for between $650 and $1,350, there was a company called Hair Anew, and they surgically attached the hairpiece to the scalp with half a dozen individual loops or sutures of Teflon-coated wire. Now, if you didn't like that, don't worry. There's Medihair, and they weave the sutures in and out in a basting pattern, and that's a $1,000 job, but apparently it's supposed to be permanent. And to show how permanent it is, their ad featured somebody wearing it hanging upside down with a 12-pound weight attached to his toupee. Oh, my God. Don't worry. With the sutures just ripping it out. My stomach hurts. Is it okay? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. It just... That sounds like painful. Then there was weaves. A weave is where supplementary hair was woven onto a base of nylon thread. Okay. Yeah. Then that thread is crocheted with the client's remaining hair across the bald spot. Unfortunately, though, the problem is as the real hair grows, the woven hair becomes loose, right? Okay, sure. And it has to be tightened every four to six weeks at a cost of five to fifty dollars per treatment. Got so it. So there's nothing here that seems to be lasting. Then the final one is transplants. So uh, transplants were pioneered by a New York dermatologist and a Beverly Hills dermatologist, which is where like a lot of celebrities are located. So the people that went to them where they had good toupees, Frank Sinatra, Joey Bishop, and the Smothers Brothers, people started to see that you could actually like maybe make something out of these plugs. So what a plug was in a long series of operations, strips or plugs of hair, and a plug contains from like 15 to 20 hairs, completes with the root and skin, are literally taken out from the back of your head or the side of your head and then transplanted into a similar sized hole cut onto the bald spot. Then following a month-long cycle of pus and scars and scabbing, old hair falling out, then it's going to look great. The process is both financially painful and it's physically painful because a complete job may run from several hundred to several thousand dollars. I mean, yeah, I couldn't And like I said, that's what Joe Biden has, and I think Chuck Schumer has it too. So no matter what, no matter whether it was the weaving or the plugs, whatever, none of this seemed like a win-win. What to do? Well, let's find Cy Sperling 
and he can help us. So Cy Sperling is a gentleman who grew up in New York, and he started off as a pool salesman. When he was 25, and this was in the mid-1960s, he lost a majority of his hair, and it just fucked up his self-confidence. Then he lost his wife, and he couldn't get a date. And the reason he couldn't get a date was he blamed his baldness, not that shining personality we saw on, <laughs> yeah. on the ad. He tried every solution imaginable, but he always came back to the same thing, which is he goes, how do I take a woman home and tell her, hold on, I just need to take my hair off. He felt the best option for men was the weave method that we talked about, but it needed to be improved. Traditional hair weaving, Mr. Sperling had said, involves cornrowing a man's thinning top hair to make a foundation on which new hair can be added. The problem is, is that when the top hair eventually falls out, so does the weave. Using mesh on the side as a foundation eliminated the problem. So he realized if I use the weave in a different way, if I use the meshes also like a support system on boundaries, it won't really grow and it won't have that looseness and you won't have to have it tightened up as much. He got a weave himself, mm -hmm. Cy Sperling, and he made the guy who did it for him teach him how to do it. He's like, I want to learn how to make a piece. He realized this could maybe solve a lot of bald people's yeah. problems, right? He maxed out all of his credit cards. Him and his girlfriend, Amy, bought a salon in Manhattan in the mid-60s, and they began working on an improved weave that would use a finer mesh. He worked developing this finer mesh with the Fashion Institute of Technology. Oh. And then his wife was able to develop a nylon filament that was literally undetectable to the eye. Oh, cool. Then she was like, okay, let's do a layered cut. Because you ever see like those old wigs? It's like one big mass of hair. Mm -hmm. It does not look natural. Yeah. She's like, let's layer it like normal people's hair. What she would then do is she'd add a little bit of adhesive to the, to the piece. But the most important thing besides the layering that made it really successful was they were able to match the hair color of the wig to the hair color of the actual person's hair. Okay. Because I think when you see a lot of toupees, you're like, why is the top red? Just a little off, too. Yeah, it's always off. And so Amy and Cy were like, no, we're going to get this right. We're going to get the coloring right. We're going to get the layering right. And you're going to be able to come in less because we figured out a way of weaving it through your hair in a way that actually makes sense. So now that they've got the color and all that stuff, they have created the hair club for men. Back to school. Backpack. Lockers. Lockers to hide in. Speaking of school, what's the biggest lesson you ever learned? Hmm. To subscribe to Patreon to help keep this show on the air. I learned that in economics. Ooh, I was sick that day. How do I subscribe? Well, to be one of the cool kids, become one of our Patreon supporters and help keep this show on the air. Head on over to Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and search for this was a thing and said a monthly donation even a dollar a month helps us your contributions help continue doing what we're doing good to know well i'm gonna subscribe then get a note to get out of pe rob i have moderate to severe plaque psoriasis oh now as great as print ads were they always felt a bit shameful so Cy wanted to bring baldness out of the closet he said for many years, men have felt funny even discussing it, much less trying to do something about it. I think what I've done is remove some of the embarrassment associated with men wanting to improve their looks. Print is okay, but let's go to what everyone is looking at at this time. 
television. The late 70s and early 80s was an interesting time in marketing as most commercials were slick, melodic, fun. There were songs, dancing vegetables. There were beautiful spokespeople. But a new trend had emerged in commercials, and that was to remove the slickness and have someone look directly at the camera and just praise the product. And that person would be the owner of the company, guaranteeing you the customer, that they are so proud of their product, they'll put their face on it. It's got to be good. Like Victor Kayam of Remington Products. Here's Victor. Hello, I'm Victor Kayam. I used to be a dedicated wet shaver until my wife bought me this Remington M3 electric shaver. They said it's two incredibly thin, flexible microscreens and 120 cutting edges would shave as close as a blade or they'd give her her money back. I was delighted and impressed. So impressed, I bought the company. The Remington M3 will cost you about 20 pounds. The company cost me considerably more. The Remington M3 shaves as close as a blade, or now, I'll give you your money back. There was also Frank Purdue of Purdue Chicken. Frank not only sells chicken, kind of looks like one, too. <laughs> I tried somebody else's chicken, and some of the bones came out black. That means it was frozen sometime before I bought it. You can avoid this happening to you by insisting only on my fresh Purdue chickens. Why buy a chicken you think is fresh when you buy a chicken you know is fresh? Gentlemen, here are your bones. I want my money back. Now, these men were not <laughs> spokesmen, but they were funny and they were warm and people bought their products. I had an idea for a commercial. Yes, I Sperling did. And in 1982, he ran an ad that he and an ad firm created together to make magic. Accidental magic, but magic nonetheless. Let's talk a little about this commercial. Now, Sign knew he was not as engaging as these men, and he didn't want to be the focus of the commercial. The focus of the commercial was going to be a client, as the client does various activities, like tennis, horseback riding, and, he, and he, at the end, he emerges from a pool with a woman, and the woman strokes his hair. So it's like, hey, I can get it wet, and women don't know the difference. So I would show up on screen at the end, and that would be it. That would absolutely be it. As they were shooting Sai's little tag at the end, the director said, hey, Sai, I have an idea. Let's just film one with you. And you just talk to the camera and all that stuff. Let's just have this for safety. This will be contingency if for some reason the one with the guy coming out of the pool isn't working. So they did that and they thought nothing of it. So they started running these ads where it was the guy getting out of the pool and all that stuff and nothing happened. No sales, nada, nothing. Then they thought, these commercials are tanking until we can come up with a better idea. Let's just stick the one up of Psy just talking to the camera. So they ran his commercial with his Bronx accent and his stiff inability to communicate and him looking nervously at the camera and with him and a little picture of him without his weave on. That's all they had. Here is the original commercial from 1982. I'm Cy Sperling, president of Hair Club for Men. If you've ever thought about doing something about your thinning hair, then this important new booklet is something you should have. And I'll see that you get it free if you call our toll-free number. The booklet is an honest, straightforward discussion of all the hair replacement techniques, including, of course, our own exclusive strand-by-strand -strand hair system. It covers the good and not-so-good points of toupees and wigs, weaves, the suture process, transplants, and a lot more. It's designed to give you the facts you need to make an intelligent choice about what's best for you. So to get your free copy, no charge, no strings, just call our toll-free number now, and I'll send you the booklet along with a full-color supplement showing before and after photos of real hair club clients. 
So call now for your free copy. And by the way, I'm not only the hair club president, but I'm also a client. There was something comforting about Cy's stiffness, his no BS monotone all the way throughout. I would put like a young Al Pacino in this. Oh, and yeah. In an era of flashy commercials, this one stood out because it was not flashy. It was anything but. And most importantly, his hair looked good. So when he revealed that he was wearing one and he held up the photo of him being bald, you literally went, fuck. Like, this works. Now, you can't taste Frank's chicken. You can't feel Victor's face. But you can see size product right there in front of you. Boom. When the first commercial was broadcast in 1982, Mr. Sperling had three hair club centers. By the end of the decade, he had 20. Wow. He inspired confidence, pride, and an ability to say, it's okay to talk about hair loss and to be a man and want to improve it. And Cy was the first to say, own it. We all want hair. I want hair. So I got hair. And you can get hair, too. Soon the commercial was being seen everywhere, especially on weekends when they knew bald men wouldn't get lucky at bars. So they would come home early and sit around and watch TV. That was their marketing strategy. And business began booming for the hair club of men. The quote, but I'm also a client, soon appeared in commercials for M&Ms. Jack Nicholson says that looking in the mirror during the Witches of Eastwick, it was everywhere. Now, the system itself, though, retailed for about $2,000 to $3,500. Today, that's about $7,000, depending on how much hair is needed. And it required like $65 follow-up visits every two months when the guy's own hair is cut and then the added hair is adjusted. And every three to five years, the hair has to be replaced at a cost of about $1,200. But still, it was the only thing that seemed to be working. You could get it wet. It didn't seem unnatural. It looked like your actual hair. Cy became the toast of New York and beyond. When approached for autographs, he always signed on the bald spot on his before picture. (laughs) He also was like in the comic monologues of people like Geraldo, Sally Jesse, Montel, Jackie Mason. Joan Rivers actually asked him to go on a date with her in the Help Joan Find a Mate campaign. But was there a way to get the word to more people and beyond the 60 seconds of airplay in those commercials? Why, yes, because this is the age of infomercials, which was the rage of all of late, late night and weekend programming. An extended commercial re- uh, meant stations didn't have to scrounge for content. And in 1993, the first Hair Club for Men infomercial hits the airwaves, talking to real clients as they tell you what they love about the Hair Club for Men and Women. I've been a hair club client for a while now. What I love about it is is when I got it done, it, it was just so quick. It was fantastic. It was like I went in for a regular haircut. I had heard about hair club. I thought, why not try it? I love the hair club. I love what the hair club has done for me. And I've had so many people I come in contact with that are just so impressed with the way my hair looks now. Even up close, I'll stand right in front of somebody and I'll show them. I mean, it's just it's just amazing how the hair looks. It just makes such a change in your life. It gives you so much more pep. I made the decision, and it was the best thing I've ever done. By the early 1990s, the commercial was airing up to 400 times a day. Sales for 1993 totaled $100 million, and there were 85 salons around the country, including franchises. And that's a testament to the power of television and the business potential of becoming a a meme, to quote the New York Times, even in the pre-internet era. In 1988, 
Sorry, Sai. He's going to get his biggest competition when a medication known as Rogaine with Uh-oh. minoxidil came on the scene. Now, this is interesting. The Upjohn Company, which is an interesting name, they developed this thing called minoxidil. And the hope for minoxidil was to treat ulcers. They never once thought of it as a hair thing. They thought it was going to treat ulcers. They realized it didn't treat ulcers, but what they learned was that it actually opened up the blood vessels and allowed blood to flow smoothly, which meant an extra dose of hair. So hair growth was a side effect of minoxidil. So once they realized in the 1980s or so that minoxidil was uh, able to stimulate hair growth, the FDA eventually approved the drug to be sold as something called Rogaine in 1988. And then later on, it was uh, produced for women in 1991. And then finally, in the mid-90s, Rogaine was able to be bought over the counter. It did not need a prescription. So at that point, that's going to start to put Psy, not in an awkward position, but people are going to go, oh, maybe this is an easier way of doing it, which is is all you're doing is you're buying the Rogaine, you're spraying it on your head, and your hair starts to grow back. Then in 1998, doctors realized Viagra also helped with hair growth, and that was being prescribed to people. But the hair was just standing straight up. The hair was standing. The only one it was ever prescribed to was Buckwheat. (laughs) Buckwheat and Don King were the two people who've ever tried it. But this was also the same time that actors were shaving their heads and being praised for their sexiness, like Bruce Willis, Vin Diesel, Billy Zane, Sinead O'Connor. So the desire to cover baldness began to go away because now it's in the public consciousness of being like, oh, you can bald can be beautiful. So now you have Viagra, you have Rogaine, and you have people being like, who gives a shit? You have no hair. Nobody cares. So in 2000, Cy decided it was time to retire. And for $45 million, he sold the hair club for men to a Japanese company called Adarins. Cy moved down to Florida. He hosted a radio show. And God bless him. He started Hair Club for Kids, which was for children who had lost hair due to alopecia, chemotherapy. And until the end of his life in 2020, Cy was always a client. He never stopped wearing his hairpiece. Mm -hmm. My experiences as a member. When we get back. This was a thing, this was a thing. And now, this is a sketch. And now a message from Cy Sperling, president and member of Hair Club for Men. Hello, I am Cy Sperling, president of the Hair Club for Men. Since 1968, we've been providing real looking hair pieces to clients throughout the United States. Now we are expanding our operation and our services. Starting in February of 1978, we will be opening our first Merkin Club for Men. Yes, in this age of pubes aplenty, nothing is more embarrassing than taking off your pants in front of a wife, a girlfriend, a kinky stepmother, and revealing you are as hairless as can be. The first time I took my pants off in front of my wife, she thought I had concealed a Chinese crested dog between my thighs. No, not a dog. Just my hairless pelvic girdle and a taint so smooth Dorothy Hamill would win gold on it. But with the Merkin Club for Men, all of that has changed. The Merkin is simply screwed and stapled gun onto your private area using a state-of-the-art technique called simply screwing and staple gunning onto your private area. The Merkin comes in various sizes, shapes, and smells. All the smells are there. From, of course I showered after the gym baby, to I just let out one of those farts that smells like the Long Island morgue in the middle of July. The Merkin is so realistic, your wife, girlfriend, and or kinky stepmother 
will think it's the real thing when they pick some of it out of their teeth the next morning. So call now for your free brochure, and remember, I'm not just the president, I also have a hairless gooch. Thank you. This was a sketch. Welcome back, folks. So now it's time for my confession. Ray, I was a member of the Hair Club for Men. Okay. But I wasn't. I was a member of a knockoff, a cheap knockoff of the Hair Club for Men. And I would like to tell you about my journey. When I was about 16 or so, my parents were like, looks like you're thinning a little bit in the front. I did not notice till my parents brought it up to me. And so they were like, well, let's explore some options. So my, my, my dad was like, let's take you down to the Hair Club for Men. And the one thing I was like, I just don't want them to shave my head. I just don't want them to shave my head and stick something unnatural and ugly on it. So went in, and the woman who was there was a Southern woman. She goes, hi, I'm, uh, I'm new here, uh, but uh, today I am going to give you uh, our explanation on uh, the hair growth. And so uh, here we go. Uh, here at Heckham, we believe that hair is a blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah, uh, here at Heckham, uh, blah. And she did not know it was an acronym. She was literally, we were her first clients. And she kept calling it Heckam, not the hair club for men. So my dad and I were like, I don't think this is the right place for us. So we found a place, folks, if you're familiar with Ventura Boulevard off of Winnetka, called the HRC, Hair Restoration Center, which was run by a guy named Johan, who was wearing the worst toupee I've ever seen in my life. And literally, Nathan Detroit suit from Guys and Dolls, a big, <laughs> big pinstripe suit. And he talked just like this. He goes, hello, friend. How are you? I said, I'm good. I'm good. He goes, uh, your hair thin, bald. I fix, I fix, I fix. I said, okay. Well, I said, the one thing I just don't want is I don't want my head to be shaved. I don't want you to shave my head. No, 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 no. Hair shaved. No, fine. I'm fine. Do not do this. This is not problem. Please. No problem. Please. Come, come, come. Let's take a look. We do this. He goes, first thing we do is measure the size of the hair piece. He sits me in a chair. He literally puts saran wrap on the top of my head gives me a shoelace to run through holes in the saran wrap at the bottom to pull down on so that way the saran wrap is as tight as can be okay. on the head. He takes a Sharpie, draws out where the, the crown of the head's going to be. Then he takes masking tape and tapes it over the head. He goes, this gives it shell. It's an old Hollywood trick. I learned from Max Wright, star of Elf. <laughs> and so then he's like, okay, he goes, what color is your hair? And I'm like, well, that's a brown. He goes, okay, brown. I make not brown, no problem. By the way, did I mention he was smoking during this? Oh, perfect. No. Yeah, literally of smoking in the oven. Okay, come back uh, two weeks ready for you. And I'm like, okay, not going to shave my head. No, 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 no. Well, two weeks later, once again, folks, I'm 16 years old. I uh, leave high school drama rehearsal early to go down to the Hair Replacement Center, HRC. And I meet this wonderful woman named Lori. And she's like, hi, I'll be your stylist today. I'm like, hi, Lori. She goes, okay, first time, let's get going. I said, great. Sit down in the chair. They shaved my head. And I was like, I said, I thought this was the system where like the hair goes, my hair goes through like a, a weave. And she goes, oh, no, 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 no. So she leaves. She comes back. She's holding what I think is a dead spider, the largest spider I've ever seen. That's also kind of Lucille Ball red, by the way. And she uh, goes, okay, let me just put this over here for a second. She throws it in the corner. This is going to be my hair, by the way. And she goes, all right, let's prep you for attaching it. And she takes out a bottle of surgical glue and dumps it on my head and then just coats my head with the surgical glue. She goes, okay, this looks right. Then she goes, let's put it on. And she sticks 
the howdy doody fucking wig on my head. So I still have brown chestnut hair on the sides, but on top now it's howdy doody red. And she boom, sticks it on, rubs it on there, styles it and goes, okay, you look good to go. I went to school the next day and people looked at me like, what the fuck happened to you? And I was like, nothing. I wear it like an idiot. And maybe a week later, I wake up and I open my eyes and I'm like, my eyes are open, but I still can't see. That's because the toupee just slipped off my head and went into my eyes. You see, here's the thing, folks, with surgical glue. It works perfectly if you never wash your hair or sweat. So I had to go back and every two or three weeks, they'd have to come out and put new glue on my head. Till finally one day, I'm sitting around waiting, comes up to me. Let me ask you a question, friend. You, what would you do for life? Business. And I said, I, I do. I'm an actor. He goes, oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, how would you like? How would you like a free bottle of glue? <laughs> how would you like a free bottle of glue, my friend? <laughs> he said, well, what do I have to do? He goes, you have to come in here and, um, you know, tell potential clients how good the uh, hair is. <laughs> so he would bring me into an office. And there'd be some very bald, nervous guy sitting there. And the guy goes like, so... Uh, you know, will my will my will my girlfriend know that uh, it's fake? And I said, my girlfriend doesn't. <laughs> I said, oh, I do. Listen, I do everything in this. I swim in it. I exercise in it. I literally only come in once every couple of weeks, just because I like seeing the staff. I, I don't like need Johan. to. I don't need to come in. I smoke now. I smoke now. So I would lie through my teeth, and then one day Johan pulls me aside and says, "Let me tell you something, friend." Lots of famous people come here. You'll also be famous. I can't tell you any of them, but let me just say, maybe one might be mad about you. <laughs> and he was telling me that Paul Rise, I don't know if that's, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I, I don't want to say anything else. I'm sorry, Mr. Riser. You could have been talking about Helen Hunt. Oh, that's true. The dog, Murray, the dog. <laughs> uh, let me ask you, my friend, have you done some searching? Maybe some goodwill hunting Helen hunt <laughs> yes Helen hunt this is all allegedly by the way oh that was allegedly yes thank you allegedly they told me paul riser allegedly they told me ben affleck i wore it from my end of my sophomore early junior year of high school all the way up until a year after i graduated college now i graduated college in 2005 so i stopped going in 2006 and that's when i started shaving my head and then i realized shaving my head i was like oh this looks fine I was like, this, this, this does not bother me. I thought it looked good. And I, I was like, I wonder whatever happened to that HRC people. One day, years later, my dad calls me and he's watching Judge Judy. And guess who's one of the defendants? You can't smoke in here. <laughs> sir, sir. You see that lace around your neck? <laughs> uh, we could put hair on that. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I was a model for uh, men's hair pieces at HRC. I don't even know if they're still in business. I don't know what happened to Lori, to Johan. I don't know what happened to any of them. If anyone knows, comment on- they're gonna, No, they're gonna be like, what did you say? So that's why this story was particularly personal to me because I thought I was getting Cy Sperling's hair club for men and I got Johan and Lori's hair replacement center. I, I was one of the first people to see Rob when he shaved his head. That's true. And what was, what was your first impression? I thought you looked great. You call me Lex Luthor. I didn't call you Lex Luthor, but you you did greet me like, <laughs> like, like, like Yul Brenner. I did, I did, I did greet you like Yul Brenner yep. from The King and I. Yep. Et cetera. But yeah, I, I remember when you, yeah, you shaved your head and you looked great. 
I was ha- very happy for you. Thank you, Ray. I appreciate that. So I've learned to accept baldness, but I will say because of people like Cy Sperling, who provided so much comfort to people, and I think it was so ballsy for him just to come out and be like, yep, no, I'm yeah. bald, and I don't like it. And so here's what I'm going to do about it. He helped a lot of people. He did. He did. I mean, really? He, no, because then he also did work for people that had alopecia, yeah. people that had gone well, through exact, chemotherapy. Yeah. yeah. But he gave people the the comfort of saying, there's something I don't like about myself that I'd like to fix, yeah. as opposed to saying, I don't like this thing about myself, but I'm not allowed to talk about it in public. Yeah. So it's amazing to me that this commercial, which was literally a safety net that nobody thought would ever see the light of day, is actually what provided so much comfort to people. And like I said, it's a meme before there were memes. Yeah. That I'm not just the president, I'm also a client. How many times did you then hear that on television shows and movies and taglines? Like I said, it's on M and it's the M&M's thing. I mean, he became a really important person, but I also think it allowed people to talk openly about baldness, which then allowed people, I think celebrities of that caliber that we talked about, people like Bruce Willis to shave their head and be like, yep, this is it. No, yeah. And who cares? Yeah. Who cares? I really like Cy Sperling. I'm so happy that I got to do this research on him. I thank Cy from the bottom of my heart because for a good good number of years, I pined for him and never got him. So Let's sigh for Cy. Let's sigh for Cy. Let's give a hand to Johan and Lori. And now let's bring on Mark Schroeder, who has a full head of hair, to play a game. Well, that got long. This was a thing, and now it's a quiz. This is a this was a quiz. With Mark Schroeder. So, Mark, you have a nice, full, thick head of hair. So you would think. Oh, my God. Right? That's a nice one. That's the stuff they use to keep Jennifer Lopez's dress on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, my double-sided nipple tape keeps this uh, chinchilla on my it's head. It's pretty nice. But you don't have any like bald spots or anything, do you? It's, you know, it's thinning. It's certainly thinning. Really? It, you know, time gets us all, but I am blessed at this at this ripe old age of 36 to have a, you know, relatively full head of hair. I am blessed at this time. But it's very nice. Ray, do you, your Ray's got like tons of hair. You're a hairy guy. Well, I mean, it, it it's starting to thin though. Where? In the back. Is it really? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, well, sometimes the way I, when it combs certain ways. Hey, Rob, why the fuck did you bring this up? Just to make us feel terrible about us? No, I'm just, uh, just curious. And like, fully hard. What are you guys? (laughs) 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 Oh my God. Okay. But no, hey, Hair Club for Men, let's all say it together. I'm I'm not not just just the president of the Hair Club Club for Men. men. I'm I'm also a member. Client? Member? Member? I just I got members on my brain now. I literally just talked about this for two fucking hours. (laughs) I can't remember. Okay, yeah. Speaking of presidents and speaking of members of something, let's see how much Rob and Ray know about historical U.S. presidents in a little game called I'm not just a president. I'm also an asshole. We'll save time. Joe Biden, Illuminati. Amazing. Those are all my questions. Uh, you guys are competing against each other again, head to okay. head. You're doing uh, separate speed rounds in this game. I'm going to read you each a list of 10 presidents. You got to tell me if that president was a Republican or a Democrat. You got a 50-50 shot here. Let's see who knows more. There's no tricks. I didn't throw any wig party bullshit in there. No federalist bullshit. Well, this would have been a good episode for the wig party. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you'll play the same exact game with different presidents listed. So why don't you two decide who you want to go First. I went first last time. Okay, Ray will go first. I'm going to do 30 seconds. It's actually going to be seconds this time. 10 each. Ray, here we go. Franklin D. Roosevelt. Democrat. Theodore Roosevelt. Uh, Republican. 
Dwight D. Eisenhower. Eisenhower is a Republican. Rutherford, Rutherford B. Hayes. Uh, uh, Democrat. Ulysses S. Grant. Democrat. Herbert Hoover. Uh, Republican. Andrew Jackson. Republican. James Buchanan. Democrat. William McKinley. Republican. William Howard Taft. Uh, Republican. You got seven correct out of ten, just under the time limit. That's great. Uh, you know what the fun thing is, is it's so hard to keep track, and my assistant fell asleep, that uh, I don't know exactly which ones you got right, but you got okay. seven okay. of ten. Hey, I'll take them. Correct. Good job, buddy. I'll one. take them. Rob Schneider. Okay. Abraham Lincoln. Republican. Harry Truman. Democrat. James Garfield. Republican. Chester A. Arthur. Uh, Republican. Calvin Coolidge. Republican. Grover Cleveland. Democrat. Woodrow Wilson. Democrat. Martin Van Buren. Democrat. Benjamin Harrison. Republican. Franklin Pierce. Republican. Nine out of ten Damn. on the final one. Franklin Pierce was a Democrat. He Rob, was such you a are Franklin Pierce. Oh, fuck. Yes, yes, yes. You are a political hound. Stop You're just it. a hound head. Stop it. Wow, very impressive. Poli sci major, baby. You could have also thrown some Federalist and wigs, and I would have been okay. Yeah, well, I know you'd be happy with a wig. Oh. It hurts. Oh, sorry. I'm the president of the hair club for men. I'm allowed to say these things. <laughs> I can do anything. I'm the president. I'm the fucking president. FBI raided Cy Sperling's house today. Former president Cy Sperling's house today. <laughs> he took confidential wigs. <laughs> it's, a, it's a scandal. It's an outrage. Thanks for another fun game, Mark. You're welcome. Ray, where can people find us? Oh, you can just find us on Instagram at This Was A Thing Pod. Check out our website, This Was A Thing.com, www. In front of that. And then also Patreon.com. Look us up. This Was A Thing. $5 a month. Old Lucy level. Get exclusive content. And uh, you're really going to enjoy it. I promise you that. That is true. All right. Till next time, friends. See ya. Thanks for listening to This Was a Thing, and a big thanks to the folks that keep this show running. Our editor, Daniel Cut Cut Schwartzberg, our composer, Billy Better Than DC Reese, our social media director, Gabe Hashtag Crawford, our graphic designer, Natalie's Nothing Too Graphic DeSavia, and finally, our games coordinator, Mark the Shark Schroeder. If you liked what we did today, make sure to head on over to iTunes to rate and review us. The more stars you leave us, the more love we feel. Hey, speaking of love, show us some social media love. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ThisWasAThingPod and Facebook we are ThisWasAThingPodcast. Reach out, we'd love to hear from you. And if you really liked what we did today, head on over to Patreon.com and become one of our sponsors and you'll get access to special episodes, interviews, and merch. That's Patreon. Search This Was A Thing and support us so we can keep doing this show. 